0: Hello, and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I'm Jeff Cranston. On the previous podcast installment, I spoke with retired Free Press editor and reporter Bill McGraw about the history of Black Bottom and plans by Detroit mayors going back to the 1940s to level homes and businesses there, all in the name of urban renewal. So after that trip to the past, and to continue with the theme of Recognizing Black History Month, today we look to the future. I want to welcome Michigan Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist back to the podcast. He's been kind enough to make time in the past to come on and talk about the project to transform the depressed freeway into an urban boulevard, restoring connections between neighborhoods to the east and downtown.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Happy to be back here with you on the podcast.
0: So we've spoken before about your personal history with the neighborhood and previous generation of your family's recollections of how residents and businesses were displaced. But as a native and current resident of the city, talk about your your history. And I'm curious uh, what you hear from, you know, people that you know now that this is starting to to come to fruition and what are their hopes and are they skeptical or hopeful or a little of both?
1: Well, you know. This is both. This is a huge opportunity, you know, I mean, certainly the the opportunity to to literally remove an obstacle to connection um, that 375 is is a huge opportunity. I think people are excited about they want to make sure that there's a, a good progress for, for people to participate in how this boulevard is imagined. And that's coming from residents who live in the current neighborhoods that were formerly uh, black bottomed. And that was one of those neighborhoods, Elmwood Park is a neighborhood where I spent the first half of my life, and so I certainly feel a personal connection to maintain relationships there, and have very, uh, very vibrant memories of you know riding my bike around in the neighborhood. But frankly, getting the 375 to 375 and stopping and turn around and going back toward home, like it was, it was a barrier. And so I think people are optimistic, but people also want to be part of designing that future, and I think that. You know, MDOT is, is working with community stakeholders and community leaders to, to make sure we can get there. And, and one of the things that I've shared with folks is that this is a long process. There, there's a lot of time that will go into making sure that we do this right, to make sure that we're able to, you know, actually literally marshal those resources from the federal government uh, to MDOT so we can make these investments to, to deliver this boulevard. And so people should be patient and participate in the process, um, not think that it's going to happen one you know, someone snap fingers. And so be, because of that, I would have, I'm just encouraging people to be observant and to think about, really take the time and spend time with the idea, spend time with the potential of what this boulevard can mean for, uh, becoming a corridor for black business excellence, becoming a corridor for inclusive, uh, designs, accessible streets, um, walkability and livability that rises to new heights in the city of Detroit. That's a, that's an amazing opportunity.
0: Yeah. I I think that's something that you've, you've talked about previously that, uh, You want to create equitable access for economic opportunity. Those are key priorities for you and Governor Whitmer. Um, So how do you see that taking shape with this?
1: Well, I think one of the unique aspects of this project is that you you very rarely get to create more space. (laughs) This is literally creating uh, land for economic development purposes in the midst of a city and arguably the most vibrant part of our city. And so because of that, because we have new, you know, new field on which to build, we have an opportunity to do so intentionally. And so our intention is to make sure that both to, to honor and be inspired by the history of the businesses that once stood in this land, And also to recognize and invest in the potential of the people with ideas and the the, the potential and current entrepreneurs and the future, um, the future residents of this community that they also are are thought about as we design this for inclusion and for economic opportunity. And in a way that is frankly responsive um, to the past racial injustice that happened as a result of the decision to, to build this freeway.
0: So we've talked about this before. No, no project can undo the mistakes of the past or atone for the sins, right? No matter what you do there. But do you think that just acknowledging that 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 yeah this this was this was bad. This this shouldn't have gone down this way. Is that is that helpful?
1: Well, it's important, and and we we cannot turn a turn a blind eye to things that actually happened in the past. Um, unmistakably happened in the past, very clearly happened in the past, and had detrimental impacts. So that must be acknowledged, acknowledged full-throatedly, and not sheepishly. And now we have to also, building upon that acknowledgement, make sure that the, the the processes and the investment decisions that we make going forward are building a future that we want, um, not merely uh, responding to a past that we didn't want.
0: So what did you hear from, you know, your your relatives, your older relatives growing up? I mean, these are people that I'm guessing were a couple generations away from the Great Migration. They came to Detroit for opportunity and the various, you know, the auto industry or other manufacturing industries. And then to be treated like that, I mean, that um, has to leave a stain, right? So how do you?
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my family story is a very traditional Great Migration story. My My mother's parents coming up from Alabama, my father's is- father coming up from Alabama and his mother coming up from Arkansas and one of the things that they experienced getting up here you know basically after the war is that they saw black folks who had money Detroit was a unique place in the country in that regard there were only a few places where people could experience and really observe um and see just like black folks who have money black folks who had you know Outwardly for the times, visibly really nice and expensive clothes I'm like drove Cadillacs and stuff. Like it's successful uh, businesses. Yeah, who 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 had a vibrant, diverse economy driven by black entrepreneurs that built wealth in the black community. And so people look look back fondly upon that, obviously. And that's something that that every Generation yearns for, and we want to return to, and that, frankly, I want to see, uh, it, you know, made possible in communities across the state of Michigan for people of all different sorts of races, ethnicities, and identities, etc. So that's something that is is a point of pride, and so to have that taken away um, by a series of, of, of government decisions and, and leaders is 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 not just a stain. I mean, it it it, it causes pain, it doesn't just leave a stain, and, and One of the biggest pains that it causes is the sort of the the opportunity cost of all the wealth that could have been built, that could have been passed from generation to generation. That was not. And so this moment that we have before us now is an opportunity to build a foundation for that kind of economic empowerment and opportunity going forward. And again, that doesn't rebuild the wealth of the past, but that it does set a trajectory for for, for wealth creation forward.
0: So, when you think about that, and uh, you know what it was like to be there in September when U.S. DOT Secretary Pete Buttigieg came for the formal announcement of the 105 million dollar federal grant to move this project forward, um, and I'm going to play a little bit of what Secretary Buttigieg had to say that day. Sometimes fixing the dam roads means facing the repercussions of how the roads were originally built. Who was included in that process and who was not. Who was empowered and who was displaced. And when a generations-old piece of infrastructure comes to the end of its useful life, it requires us to decide in our time whether we're just going to put things back exactly as they were or whether we're going to build back better. Talk about what it meant to see that kind of personal interest from the Biden administration.
1: Well, the the Biden Harris administration was unequivocal when they stated that as they made investment decisions in terms of the types of infrastructure projects that this administration was going to prioritize and support, that they were going to choose to support projects like I-375 in communities across America. Where you had a similar dynamic of these freeways intentionally raising uh black neighborhoods or neighborhoods of that were impoverished so that um going forward we can we can turn them into platforms for opportunity, not just uh reminders of a racist past. And I think that that has been really quite extraordinary to have the president and vice president be so explicit in their prioritization of that, and to then deploy their cabinet secretaries, such as Secretary Buttigieg, to act on that commitment. Um, it shows that they care about people, that they recognize that these investment decisions, that these infrastructure choices are about enabling people and their opportunity and to be their best selves and to have economic mobility and to realize their dreams and ambitions and to better connect their communities, not disconnect their communities and build barriers and walls. And so I- I'm inspired by that. And so, again, as the son of this neighborhood, it really was uh, amazing to be part of that.
0: So back to that vibrancy of the neighborhood and what Hastings Street was once like. And, you know, we see it from the photos and you heard, heard about it from family members. Um, Bill McGraw talked about it would be a modern urban planners dream, that kind of uh, engagement, you know, in the community and having such a vibrant street and having those businesses so close together and day and night things going on.
1: Well, that's what I mean when I say, you know, it's not often, again, that we literally create new land. Um, and so, therefore, you have an opportunity on that canvas to paint a picture that truly does include everyone. To, to, and I, when I think about, you know, what the governor and I are building toward here in Michigan, we are hoping to build a state of Michigan. We are working with our legislative partners to to invest in a state of Michigan where everyone can see themselves in the future. They can see and realize their ambition in the future of the state of Michigan. And that goes for every person, inclusive of every identity, inclusive of every expression, inclusive of every background, inclusive of all your dreams for the future. We want them all to be possible here in Michigan. And so to have a a new opportunity to do that in the city of Detroit can really send a strong message that we can do this successfully here and therefore we can do it successfully anywhere
0: thank you for that let's uh let's change topics just for a minute still related to mobility um we're just off this week a major announcement down near near marshall in calhoun county concerning ford and a major ev battery investment uh, can you talk about that a little bit
1: absolutely uh, we are very proud here at team michigan under governor gretchen whitmer's leadership to have secured this 3.5 billion dollar investment in Marshall Michigan for Ford to create a new electric vehicle battery plant state of the art EV EV batteries will be built In this facility and they will be designed the manufacturing projects will be process will be perfected in romulus michigan so it can be deployed in marshall michigan this will be one of the most important investments that Ford makes for the future of the company and they chose the state of michigan because of our talented people because of a site that was ready for them to build what they need to do to to move their their company forward and we're so excited about what it means it means 2500 well-paying, highly skilled jobs for Marshall, Michigan. It's going to be a game-changer for the region from an economic development standpoint in terms of the ancillary businesses that will be created uh, adjacent to uh, this amazing investment with Ford. And so I was proud to stand with Governor Whitmer and Bill Ford and CEO Farley and Mayor Schwartz and Marshall uh, to talk about this opportunity and what it represents. And this is not the first EV battery plant in Michigan that we have announced, Michigan is going to be at the center of and we're going to we actually uh, want to dominate, frankly, the production of these batteries. And we are representing what it means to bring this production process, to bring these this important element of the electric vehicle supply chain and value chain home to America and specifically to the state of Michigan where it belongs. And so we're going to continue to compete for every opportunity to do that um, across every part of the industry. So
0: I know as a software engineer, you have a lot of interest in the technology that's involved in new mobility and how vehicles talk to each other. And you've gone to Council of Future Mobility and electrification meetings and you're tapped into this. There's still a lot of criticism, skepticism about, you know, the charging infrastructure and whether we can do enough publicly because there are people that live in apartments, obviously, or other dwellings that don't allow for a charger in their garage. Can can we move fast enough on that? Are we? Are you confident that we'll get there?
1: I am confident that we'll get there. And I understand those questions. They're, they're legitimate questions as someone, you know, like I've driven – Uh, plug-in hybrid vehicles since 2013, like I understand, and and that's just going to be on all electric vehicle. uh, You need even more infrastructure, and that's why we are prioritizing investing in that infrastructure at the state level, leveraging historic investments in this from the Biden-Harris administration and what Congress delivered with the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Michigan is going to see a tremendous amount of resources dedicated to that. We need to work with all of our partners, not only MDOT, but our local um, you know, our, our county uh, road commissions and road builders We need to work with our energy sector partners and our utility partners to make sure that we are producing um, energy in a clean and sustainable way. And we're going to build more. And I feel like I spend every summer going all around Michigan, cutting ribbons on charging stations. And I'm mm-hmm. going to do that again this summer because we want people to know they can drive with mm-hmm. confidence. We also want people to know that we're going to need a lot of skilled workers to be able to make sure these charging stations work and they're available. And that's why uh, so many partners are, are going to be working together with with not only charging station manufacturers, we're going to even have a charging station manufacturer uh, based in Michigan, a black women owned company. Very excited about that. And we're going to make sure that we're going to be a leader in how this gets done. We're also partnering with states along the, the Great Lakes region so that um, folks in the neighboring five states of Michigan, all of our residents will be able to drive with confidence. We have the Lake Michigan EV circuit, where we're gonna have charging stations all up and down our Lake Michigan lakeside, where people will be able to drive and experience the beauty that is Lake Michigan with confidence in their electric vehicle. We are putting charging stations in all of our state parks, um, so that again, as you go and enjoy our, everything that the Pure Michigan has to offer at our state parks, your EV can be charged while you're enjoying it, so you can get home with confidence. Like all these things are part of the puzzle, and we we are going to continue to accelerate uh, our progress so that people will be able to get over that threshold to know that the, to know that they see enough charging infrastructure when they are out and about that they know that if they decided to make that investment, um, they'll be able to do so with confidence. We're also making them more affordable. Just in the state budget that Governor Whitmer announced our budget proposal um, for the for the next fiscal year, we have announced an incentive on purchasing electric vehicles that has included a, a sales tax break of twenty four hundred dollars, which is off of your first forty thousand dollars toward the purchase of a new electric vehicle. This is making the vehicle more affordable at the point of sale, and so again, we want there to be you know every reason. For your next car purchase to be an electric vehicle and the way that we're building more of them in michigan we want you to buy one is made in michigan yeah waiving that sales
0: tax is significant especially when you couple that with the federal incentive um you know i i guess i i hope that people get the clean air imperative of, of this whole thing i mean you you know you're raising a family in southwest detroit obviously the urban areas uh detroit especially has had a lot of problems with clean air and emissions over the years so that right there is a, a big incentive right
1: I mean, this is one of the this is one of our big contributors to to air pollution is the emissions from our vehicles and electric. So the electrification of our vehicles will help us take a big dent in that. It also will, rel- will reduce our uh, reliance on you know oil, frankly, and you know an oil refinery in south just south of Detroit and south, southwest of the city is part of why we have the pollution issues that we have in that part of our of our city and our state. And so. We're proud that our utility partners have been accelerating their progress in producing clean and renewable energy. And these things come together. Just last year, I stood with the CEO of Ford and the CEO of DTE Energy to announce the fact that Ford made its the largest purchase of clean, renewable energy from a utility company in American history so that the energy that goes into the production process for electric vehicles generated by Ford will be clean. It will be renewable. So again, this is all connected to how we can meet the, the the goals that we must meet in order to respond to climate change. And we're going to do so aggressively in Michigan through things like our My Healthy Climate Plan.
0: Well, thank you again for taking time to, to talk about both of these things today. And congratulations on the, the big uh, EV battery announcement. That's really, really huge. I always appreciate your time.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. And I'm glad to be back on the podcast with you and the listeners. And happy Black History Month, everyone.
0: Thank you again for listening to this special Black History Month edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. I'd also like to acknowledge, again, the people who make this podcast a reality each week. Randy Doubler, who produces and does the sound engineering. Jesse Ball for his help with the show notes. Jackie Salinas for completing the transcription. And Courtney Bates for posting the podcast on various platforms. For show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts.